0: Chapter 7, This Ain't the Hilton. Miko rolls her eyes with impatience, and Rose chuckles a little as Miko exits the trailer and descends the door stoop to stand beside Rose out front. Fonte follows, closing the door behind him as he does so and joins the two ladies in the front yard of the trailer with a smile of eagerness splayed across his face. Well, all right then, Rose says delightfully as she turns to lead the way from the yard. Let's start off with the grand tour first. From there, the trail walks along a narrow pathway dividing several rows of trailers on both sides as they make their way to the west through a courtyard full of people who are just going about their normal daily routines. Taking a moment to observe and absorb their surroundings, Fonte and Miko both find themselves awestruck by what they see. For Miko, it had literally been months since she had seen another person who wasn't crazy until she met Fonte, and even though this was not her first stroll outside of the trailer, she still finds herself amazed at how many people were here on this land. She seemed to see new faces every time she stepped out, and even though she still hasn't adjusted to the sudden change of circumstances, the fact that none of these people were foaming at the mouth and trying to kill her brings her immense relief and comfort. Fonte has a completely different perspective as he surveys the environment and internalizes the situation, though. Unlike Miko, Fante has not been fighting against crazy hordes of psychopaths bent on ripping his throat out with their teeth every day of the week. For Fante, it wasn't that long ago that he last saw normal people. To him, while Miko had been fighting for her life every day for months, losing her father in the process, only a few days had passed since the last time he saw the world full of normal people. Neither of them knew how that kind of time discrepancy was possible, but for the time being, it didn't matter. What matters to Fonte right now is the feeling of sweeping optimism that overtakes him and makes him hope, just for a second, that maybe the vanishing didn't really happen like they thought. Maybe instead of being erased, the people who disappeared just got transported somewhere. Somewhere deep down, he wants that to be true, but at the same time, he knows it to be a lie somehow. But even with that said, the relief he feels is still real enough to give him more hope of finding his brother than he had previously, and for now... That's enough for him. You know, for being the end of the world and all, I have to say, I love what you've done with the place, Rosie, Fonte says cheerfully with another crooked smile as he walks beside Miko and Rose along the pathway leading out of the courtyard. People continue to bustle all around them, going about their daily activities as Rose leads them through the courtyard and onto another path, this one much wider and paved through tree groves with gravel rocks that points northward toward open land. Verdant fields of crops can be seen stretching as far as Fontaine and Miko can see toward the east. So, where are we heading first? Miko kind of blurts out from beside Rose. Smiling and tossing a sideway glance with her green eyes at both Fontaine and Miko, she says, Figure we start out by the farmhouses and work our way around the land's outer belt until we end up back where we started. There's a farm here too? With actual livestock? Miko says in disbelief as she looks around and scans the vicinity for any indication of farmland. Oh, yes. Before things in the world got turned upside down, this whole place used to be a part of a large Amish farming community. Once it was discovered, we were easily able to set it up for raising cows, pigs, chickens, and lambs. We even have a few horses. We obviously don't eat those, though. Rose says casually as she points to the various barnyards facing them from the northwest of the gravel path that they now walked upon. Now able to see the free-range livestock clearly for himself in the distance, Fonte raises a curious eyebrow and speaks inquisitively. Exactly how long have you guys been here? Rose bites her bottom lip as she tilts her head to the side in a gesture of thought and considers his question. As you no doubt have come to find out on your own by now, time has become very temperamental these days. But if I were to make a conservative estimate, I'd say New Eden has been thriving for about five years now. Fonte can almost feel his jaw hit the gravel path below him in total shock as he tries to wrap his mind around Rose's response. Miko, too, is unable to stop the absolute astonishment she feels at the moment from expressing itself on her face. Five years? How is that even possible when the vanishing only happened a few months ago? Miko asks with obvious confusion. Now it's Rose's turn to look perplexed as she faces toward Fonte, and Miko. The vanishing? I'm afraid that's a term I'm not familiar with, Rose says. It's how we describe what happened when everyone disappeared, Miko replies informally. A look of comprehension quickly dawns on Rose's face as they finally reach the barnyards and stop to observe the daily activities in progress. Ah, we here at New Eden refer to it as the rapture. But for all of us here at New Eden, this event happened at least five years ago. Maybe more since time has been funny ever since she says cordially as she pauses to consider her next thoughts before speaking on. Having said that, though, we've done as best as we can to keep track of the passage of time, and we're relatively sure that Nueden has been here for at least the last five years. Fontaine and Miko both give each other a quick glance of puzzlement, but say nothing out loud. Not only did they just discover that Casper was not the only animal to survive the vanishing like they thought, they also discovered another huge time discrepancy that made absolutely no sense to them at all. They both knew this would be a topic they'd have to revisit later, and they both also knew it was a conversation they needed to have in private, so they let Rose continue uninterrupted. Oblivious to this exchange between the two companions, Rose responds with a question of her own. I'm assuming this is not the same passage of time that you two have experienced? Breaking the gaze with Fonte and looking over to meet eyes with Rose, Mika responds first. It's hard to know for sure, like you said, but we're pretty sure... Nowhere near that amount of time has passed for us yet, especially Fonte. He claims the world was fine and dandy just a few days ago. She says with a mocking eye roll and a thumbs up that she jibes in his direction. Oh, I see. Well, I'm not at all surprised to hear such things since many among us here at New Eden have openly reported similar time incongruities, Rose says pleasantly as she offers another warm smile. Seeing this as a perfect moment to inquire further about the residents of New Eden, Fonte addresses Rose directly. How many people are here at New Eden exactly, he says nosily as he looks around at a dozen or so people moving around between the farmhouses. Rose cocks her head to the side again as she considers the question for a few moments. With the two of you among us now, the total population of New Eden is about 316 people, she says pleasantly enough while still guiding the group closer to the farmhouses. Wow, how did over 300 people end up here at this little sanctuary of New Eden? Like you, most of them were rescued from precarious situations by the Reckoners and were brought here for refuge. I myself was brought here by my husband, the Preacher, just after New Eden had been founded. Others were encountered while traveling from place to place, and some just happened to wander by. Miko looks confused for a moment. What are Reckoners? she asks with a quizzically raised eyebrow. The Reckoners are what we call the solemn protectors of New Eden and the soldiers of virtue who cleanse the world of evil and deliver God's judgment to the wicked. They're the ones who vanquished the horde of ravengers that tried to kill you in the city. Knowing that a horde of ravengers is just these people's fancy way of saying a crowd of crazies, Fonte and Miko just nod in acknowledgment as they ignore the God talk for now and stay focused on learning more about New Eden and its history. Again, Feeling his hopes swell a little bit at the idea of his brother possibly being among those rescued by the Reckoners, Fonte quickly speaks out. I know this is probably a long shot, but I have to ask, he says timidly as they come to a stop by the farmhouses, is there any chance that you guys have been keeping record of those who come to be residents here in New Eden? We have, but why do you ask? Rose says merrily as she continues offering the same warm smile of positive vibrancy. Fonte responds immediately. Well, ever since the vanishing, or the rapture as you guys like to call it, I've been separated from my family. I already found what was left of my mother in the city right before we were attacked by the crazies, but I'm still looking for my brother, and I'm hoping that there's a chance he could be among the survivors here now. Rose's face instantly lights up with compassionate comprehension as she immediately empathizes with Fonte's plight. First and foremost, allow me to offer my condolences for the loss of your mother but rest assured that she's in heaven now, enjoying the warmth of our Lord, she says with solemn reverence that slightly annoys Fonte. As far as finding out whether your brother is among the New Eden populace, I will guide you to the public registry, and you are welcome to search for his name among those that have been recorded. Despite finding himself more and more aggravated with all the religious hyperbole, Fonte offers a huge smile to Rose and gives a downward head nod as a gesture of appreciation. Thank you from the bottom of my heart, he says with sincerity. With that being settled, Miko turns from the group and steps from the path as she begins walking toward a cow pen among the farmhouses. Stopping once she reaches the low wooden fence outlining the pasture, Miko leans down on the fence post and surveys the open area as a group of massive animals freely graze without paying her any attention. Scattered amongst the range area, she could see a few people attending to different mundane tasks that are required to run a farm like this, and once again, Miko silently gives the people of New Eden credit for making the best out of a worst-case scenario. It was certainly a better living than hiding out in abandoned warehouses, there was no doubt of that. What I want to know is how on earth you found so many animals alive and well when I haven't seen so much as an insect between here and Toledo since the world went to hell. It's like you hit the lottery or something by finding enough of them to keep this place self-sustaining, Miko says with innocent interest in her voice. Now also leaving the gravel path and walking toward the cow pen, Rose stops beside Miko and points out into the pasture. That's Hank, she says with a smile of pride as she points in another direction, and that's Daisy. We found them first, and they're the oldest. Found them wandering aimlessly on the freeway a few counties over from here when the first group of us first came together. Miko nods in acknowledgment, but says nothing as Rose continues. After a couple years of tracking down and exploring every farm within 200 miles in any direction, we eventually came across more and more animals. Some of them we just found wandering the wilderness like Hank and Daisy, and others were found still hanging around the areas that were most familiar to them. Then from there, it was just a simple matter of breeding them up into a healthy population. Makes sense. Miko replies softly as she continues to survey the farm. Now, following the others from the path and walking over to the pasture, Fonte stops by the fence and folds his arms across his chest. For a while, no one says anything as they quietly observe the fence in meadow with silent appreciation. It isn't until Rose steps back from the fence and begins walking back toward the path that anyone speaks again. And the show must go on. Fonte says with mock showmanship as he struts from the fence with a jokingly awkward waddle and makes his way back to the gravel outer belt. Miko shakes her head with exasperation as she follows behind him. Back on the path and still heading northward, Rose uses her left hand to gesture to the left as they eventually pass several fruit orchards and vegetable gardens. As you can see, everyone here at New Eden contributes to the community in one way or another, whether it's here tending to the orchards or gardens or down at the commissary serving hot meals every night. Everyone finds a way to serve a purpose in helping New Eden thrive, she says eloquently as Fonte and Miko continue to follow her down the gravel path of the outer belt. And as the caretaker of New Eden, how exactly do you contribute to the flourishment of the community? Fonte asks clumsily, but with no real interest. Miko casts him a quick look of irritation that seems sharper than a thousand double-edged razor blades. I think what my rude friend means to say is, how do you do such a good job running this place? Miko says gracefully as she steps up to clean up Fonte's awkward question. Rose seems to take no offense to the question, though, as she takes it in stride and answers with confidence and a smile. I am one of 12 caretakers, led by the preacher, who are responsible for overseeing the logistics required to keep his place somewhat organized and coordinated from day to day. Rose says thoughtfully as the group passes by fields of corn, "'wheat and rice that all stretched out "'to the east side of the gravel path "'they were using to travel the land? "'And how much is there for you guys to oversee?' "'Miko says quickly before Fonte can ask "'another awkward question of his. "'Rose doesn't miss a beat "'as she responds with obvious pride creeping into her voice. "'Not as much as you would think "'for how large the community is.' We typically find ourselves having to manage things like the distribution of labor and assets, procurement of resources, conflict and dispute resolutions, waste management, energy efficiency, security and defense, you know, things of that nature, she says with a casual smile that makes her look younger. Miko cocks an eyebrow of intrigue as Rose finishes speaking and considers her words for a moment before asking her next question. Security and defense from what? Have you guys had some issues all the way out here with the Ravengers or something? Wherever here is, she says curiously as she lets the last bit of her sentence trail off. Yeah, that's a good question right there, Miko. I've been wondering exactly where here is myself. Well, the exact location of New Eden is a question only the preacher can answer, Rose says politely with a casual smile. Again, she seems not to notice the look of befuddlement that Fontaine and Miko quickly exchange with each other as she continues. As for the security and defense of New Eden, unfortunately, it has become a necessity over the years as the world around us has descended further and further into chaos. The Reckoners who saved your life also function as part of our security and defense that protects us from the darkness outside the walls of the community. Miko shrugs passively as if to acknowledge her claim without validating it. Still walking together along the path, the trail finally passed by the long fields and began to see large wind farms and other fields of solar panels, collecting sunlight off in the distance beyond the orchards and vegetable patches. Wow, you guys really thought of everything possible to make New Eden self-sufficient, Miko says with rapt amazement as she gazes at the towering wind turbines spinning quietly in the air. God has seen fit to bless us with everything we need to make it through the rapture until his return. For that... We are forever grateful, Rose says reverently as she leads the group toward another path that veers inward from the outer belt and toward the center of the community itself. Fonte quickly fills the momentary silence with another question. So, when do we get to meet this preacher guy, he says with assertive interest. As it so happens, you'll be meeting him very shortly. I plan on taking you by the church after a quick pit stop at the library where you can check the registry for your brother's name, Rose says with earnest delight. Miko seems a little caught off guard at the mention of a library and allows the surprise to show on her face. This causes Rose to chuckle sweetly as she continues leading them down this path toward the center of New Eden. There's a library here, too? Jeez, I'm starting to feel a little like Alice in Wonderland a little bit here. Oh, yes, we most certainly have a library. It isn't much, as you can imagine, but it's a very serviceable establishment. It's near the infirmary and the school. This time it was Fante's turn to look amazed at Rose's declaration, and again she laughs audibly with a tender-hearted giggle. It isn't until approximately ten minutes of walking and casual conversation pass before the trio finally arrives in what the locals have dubbed the Town Square and make their way to the library. Rose politely opens the door and allows her two companions to enter ahead of her as an act of courtesy. Both Fonte and Miko thank her for the gesture as they step inside what can only be described as a small shack which is divided into three main sections separated by open doorways. Once inside, Rose resumes the lead as she escorts Fonte to the front counter and requests the public registry. Feeling his heart speed up like a thumping jackhammer in his chest, Fonte is unable to keep the nervous anxiousness he felt from showing on his face. After learning about his mother's fate, Fonte had been shaken to the core as he finally realized for the first time that this whole situation was really happening. Now here he was again, standing on the precipice of potential discovery that could either make his day or smash his hopes and dreams further into the depths of despair. Miko can clearly read these emotions on his face and instinctively steps close to him and gently squeezes his arm with consoling affection as the library attendant returns with the registry. Just remember... Even if his name isn't in there, that doesn't mean he vanished like everyone else, and it doesn't mean you have to stop looking, she says warmly as she offers comfort to her friend. Fonte feels his anxiety slightly subside a bit as he turns and looks at Miko. For a moment, they just stand there and stare into each other's eyes, caught in a hypnotic-like gaze that seems to bring time to a literal standstill. As the moment passes, Fonte decides that Miko is right. Doing his best to suppress the anxiety he feels, he takes the registry from the short elderly librarian when she returns, spreads it open on the counter in front of him, and begins flipping through the book. Carefully and tediously, he scans through every page of the registry, line by line, looking for his brother's name, Jamal Freeman. After several minutes of perusing through the registry with no success, Fonte starts shaking his head as a crestfallen look of disappointment spreads across his face. His name isn't in here. Jamal isn't here, he says with a somber tone of dejection, but on the bright side, at least I know one place I don't have to look for him anymore, he adds with a smile as he closes the registry and hands it back to the librarian, who takes it back to its proper place. Miko gives Fonte a smirk of a smile and gently nudges him in the side with her elbow. That's the spirit, Romeo, she says with her gray-colored eyes glinting in the light of the room. Rose waits for the two friends to finish flirting and then simply bows her head as she speaks softly. I'm deeply sorry that you did not find your brother's name in the registry, but rest assured, as long as you keep faith, I have no doubt the Lord will reunite you with your last of kin sooner than you think, she says with patient reverence. Eh, I guess only time will tell, Fonte says with a doubtful tone of voice. Rose simply shrugs dismissively as she turns from the group and gestures for them to follow her. Together, the three of them exit the library, pass the main water well, and proceed to venture through the heart of the town on a scenic route that allows the pair of newcomers to see everything they've built in five short years. Walking at a casual pace and exchanging more small talk, they eventually pass by the infirmary and the school that Rose mentioned, and even though the structures aren't very ostentatious at all, Miko and Fonte both remain impressed at the sheer accomplishment under the circumstances. Seeing this as another opportunity to give them more rhetoric about the community, Rose continues speaking about how the blessings of the Lord are plentiful to those who remain faithful to him after the rapture. Despite the fact Fonte considered himself kind of an atheist agnostic who had no interest in any of this God talk, for some reason, he still found himself fascinated by the idea that Rose kept referring to the vanishing as the rapture. It's at this moment he makes a mental note to ask more questions about that later. Miko had already seen establishments like the commissary and the bathhouses since she had been led here by a neighbor shortly after awaking from her concussion, but there was still more to see as they walked along the main path. Still walking toward the church, they pass an amphitheater with a full stage of pavilion as well as a rustic-style tavern that reminds Fonte of Moe's hole-in-the-wall bar from The Simpsons. Minutes later, they finally arrive at a decadent, old-fashioned-style church house standing three stories high at the center of the town. Its stoic design and cathedral-style aesthetics make the building radiate with Catholicism that attempts to project an ambiance of serenity and peace. Fonte observes the structure with casual interest as they pass through the atrium and enter the church behind Rose. Once inside the church, Fonte and Miko see four men huddled in conversation at the front of the church near the pulpit. Upon their entry, the four men immediately cease talking and turn to see who's ventured into the house of God as the man in the middle of the group steps toward the entrance and smiles benevolently. "'Praise God! Oh, yes! All praise is due to the Lord,' the tall, slender, framed man says enthusiastically as he races to join Rose and their new guests at the door. "'Let me guess. You must be the preacher,' Fonte says sardonically as the preacher arrives to meet them at the entrance." Standing six feet tall and weighing no more than 200 pounds, by Fonte's estimates, the lean, framed man with wispy white-colored hair and piercingly bright icy blue-colored eyes continues smiling ardently as he ignores the obvious condescension in Fonte's tone and glances back and forth between the two newcomers. Fonte, Miko, please allow me to introduce you to the founding father of all that you see here at New Eden, my husband, the preacher, Francis James Godfrey she says with her trademark smile of warm positivity as she makes the formal introductions. Husband and wife embrace each other and exchange an affectionate kiss as Rose steps off to the side and stands next to the preacher. Still looking back and forth at the timorous faces of their new guests, the preacher steps forward and speaks reverently as he extends his arms outward in a gesture of welcome and smiles benignly. Welcome to New Eden, Fonte and Miko. I trust you have found your accommodations with us pleasurable thus far? I mean, it's not the Hilton, but we have no complaints, Fonte responds with a mockingly humorous tone. The preacher and Rose both chuckle at this response. Wonderful. Well, allow me to show you around our humble place of worship, he says with a confident smile as he leads the group forward. Afterward, your true journey on the road to eternal salvation can finally begin.